Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Get ready for a very fun and dance-filled episode with Britt Stewart. You might know her uh, from the high school musical movies, perhaps. You might know her from the most recent season of Dancing with the Stars as a first-time pro, or maybe you've seen her on tour with Katy Perry. We talk about all of it. Uh, She is the sweetest, most lovely lady, and I got a real brand new perspective and insight into the world of dance. As we all know, I'm an undiscovered professional dancer, but you know, this might have fully inspired me to take the plunge. Please enjoy this lovely episode with Britt Stewart. Britt, so excited you're here. Thank you for making time. I am, um, Absolutely not a dancer in any way, shape, or form. So I have a billion questions about the world of dance. Uh, first and foremost, I want to hear your start into this world. How did you, it, it seems like a very specific world that you find your body in. So I'm curious how you got started. Yeah, well, I've been dancing since I was three. So it's okay that you don't come from dance or you don't know anything about dance because I got you, girl. Thank you. Dance dance is my life. So (laughs) I know, I'm not going to say I know everything about it because we're always and consistently learning. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I started when I was three. And the way that I got into it was through my parents. Neither Mm. of them are dancers, but they were looking for an activity for Mm. me to, you know, get started in. And um, my mom actually really wanted me to be a figure skater. (gasps) And so she tried to put me in a couple lessons and I I was three at the time. So I was very young, Yeah, but I just immediately would like freeze and then just start yelling on the (laughs) ice. And so (laughs) my mom was like, this is embarrassing. We cannot do this anymore. My dreams of you being a figure skater are now over. Done. Um, Thank you. At three years old, it's good to know that you know what you don't want to (laughs) do. Who knew I was such a decisive toddler. Um, But from there, I think actually it was just, I always had this natural thing with music Mm. and I would always sort of move my body. And it was just something that I was really connected to. And so my parents decided to put me in dance from there and it just stuck. It was instant. I always wanted to go to dance class and I really loved it. Um, And so I actually started in, my mom got a job transfer And so we were in Seattle when I started dancing and then we moved back to Colorado when I was five. And then we found a local dance studio there so I could continue my training. And then that studio is what opened up to the world of competitive dance. Well, okay. This is so Colorado competitive dance. How do you describe that scene? Because now we have, you know, all these shows, we have dance moms and all of these things that kind of give light to all of these pockets of dance culture happening. How do you describe that scene? Yeah. So I think for everybody to kind of relate to it, I would say dance moms is a good representation of, well, let me just say this, is a (laughs) representation of the dance world, but with like an ounce of the drama. Mm. I, you know, there dance moms definitely exist, but my experience was not that, Mm. but it was the same as, you know, dance was life. I would go to my studio after school. Mm -hmm. I would train, I would have rehearsals on the weekends. And then I would 
participate in competitions. And, um, and then there's also conventions where you take class all day and then you compete at night, which those were my favorite. And to me, the most beneficial for a young dancer, because you get exposed to other dance educators outside of your everyday teachers. Mm. Um, and so that was my dance training. And I also went to performing arts school, sixth through 12th grade. Cool. And so that was like a whole other side of it, like artsy sort of side of dance outside of my competition studio yeah, as well. I, I went to public high school. So I'm so curious what a performing arts school is like. I imagine it in this like beautiful, creative, weirdo pockets, people are doing all sorts of movements and making all sorts of things. What was that like for you? Yes, it's it's kind of like that. I <laughs> would dance, um, I think for like an hour and a half every day. And okay. then I would have my um, the rest of my classes, like science, math, all of those classes that you All need. the things that I guess are necessary, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> And what's so funny is I actually loved school. I love learning about all those things. And I just happened to be a dancer and really connect to that. Yeah. But, um, you know, my school had different majors, um, art, theater, um, of course, dance, vocal, creative writing. So it was anything having to do with the arts. And you were a kid that wanted to pursue it. You went there. And, um, specifically my performing arts school was also a public school. So it was, even though you had to audition, it was open to the community, which was really cool. Um, and I think the best thing that I could describe about my education growing up was I remember in science class, I had to do a physics project. And I think I like measured the road. This was a long, long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) I was like mapping out the rotation and basically the dynamics of a turn and dance and how different styles of shoes, like, you know, made it different and all that stuff. The friction of it. Ah, Exactly. Oh, that's so fun. Okay. So you went to this performing arts school and then what happens from there? From there, I... Um, decided to go to college. So I went Mm. to Loyola Marymount. Um, I only, I did not graduate. I only was there for a semester and a half um, because a dance job came up that I could not say no to. Um, Basically, I started professional dancing when I was 15. And so when I was in high school, I was doing the high school musical movies. Right. that the high school musical was my first big dance job. Wow. Okay. Wait, so take me through that. How did you get those when you're, you're 15 when that happens? Yeah, I was 15 and, you know, big moments in my life and in my career, I consider them very like serendipitous moments in my lifetime. Um, I was actually at one of those dance competitions and it was a Mm -hmm. national. So I was in New York and, um, I got approached by a dance mom that was there. And little did I know, she was also a dance educator and a choreographer. And she happened to be one of the choreographers on this upcoming uh, (gasps) Disney Channel show called High School Musical. And she came up to me and she was like, Britt, she's like, this might sound crazy, (laughs) but you are, we're looking for one more female dancer and you are what we are looking for. She was wow, like, this is you- like what people dream a Hollywood moment is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's so Hollywood. Um, yeah. And she was like, 
what's crazy is you would have to fly straight from New York to Utah. Um, you know, she's like, I understand your parents' work. You can stay with me and my family. Her two daughters are also dancers and we're wow. dancing in the movie. And um, she was like, Kimmy Ortega is directing it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, naive, 15, I was like, okay, okay, I <laughs> sure. Um, and so basically from New York, I flew to Utah, changed all my summer plans, flew to wow. Utah, did like a little private audition for Kenny Ortega. Mm-hmm. And then they cast me as one of the dancers in High School Musical. Wow. And, you know, High School Musical was not supposed to be the phenomenon that it was. Right. That's the that's what I'm wondering is that you're going into this gig. You're making adult decisions as a teenager to uproot your life and to go live with someone that you're trusting. And then the phenomenon happens afterward, afterwards. That must be such a whirlwind. Oh, it was. I think the budget was like little to nothing. Mm -hmm. We were in production and rehearsals for like six weeks. It was so short. And then it literally just exploded. And, um, you know, I wasn't very cool in school. Hey, me too. You're safe here. It's a safe space. Okay, great. (laughs) I was an introvert and I was, Uh you know, and then I got home from like filming this movie and it aired and everyone was like, hey. And I was like, (laughs) Like, wait a second, you guys. You guys didn't like me before this. Yeah, What's I've been here the now? whole time. <laughs> I know. Wow. Um, but yeah, it had just exploded. And then um, High School Musical 2 was during my senior year of high school. And so okay. then, you know, I was fortunate to go to a performing arts school. So they understood and allowed me to do my second semester online. So okay. I could go and film the second movie. Um, but then the reason I left college was for high school musical three. And, um, basically from there, my parents, you know, I was trying to decide if I wanted to go back to school or if I wanted to continue dancing and I had some other opportunities come up from high school musical. And my parents were the ones that said, you know what, Brit, leave school. Your Mm. dance career is you know, obviously God is taking you in this direction and the door is wide open. If you want to go back to school, school will always be there. Yeah. Which I was like, are you guys sure? Are you guys what sure? <laughs> you have very cool parents. That's very cool. They're, the best. <laughs> They're honestly the most supportive and the absolute best. And um, I left school and started my dance career. That's incredible. I mean, yeah, that is so cool. And also to, to commit to starting a dance career. It's so it's wild, right? It's like you're yeah. committing to this uncertain path, but it's your passion. And so you yeah. hope that it works out. Okay, so what happens after you make the decision, your school is done, you're chasing your dream, what happens from there? Well, from there, I just, you know, I get into the LA flow of a professional dancer, which means I have yeah, an what agent. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so I got an agent after High School Musical 3. The choreographers mm-hmm. there were like, I can't believe you don't have an agent. Let me hook you up with my agent. Okay. So that's what happened. That's how I got my agent. And um, from there, I started getting calls for auditions. Mm. And um, thankfully, from my upbringing and exposure that I had in dance, I had, I knew some of, of choreographers that already lived in LA. Okay. So I started taking their classes, 
so they would know that I had moved out to LA, that I was an I'm LA available. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and then basically you just kind of, I think for the first few years I was in LA, I just went to every audition, went to as many classes as I could to mm. make those connections and to network and to get my name out there as a professional dancer. And then that's when I started booking jobs. And, you know, it's interesting in the dance world, when you make relationships and connections with choreographers, they usually Mm -hmm. like to hire the same people from Mm. job to job. And so I just got lucky enough to get into the right choreography circles. Yeah, because that's my my curiosity is that and I assume that the dance community is a community like it must be big and also very small at the same time Mm -hmm. once you start to get to know people. And so how did you prepare for dance auditions? Like what's your what's your advice currently to people that might go on auditions, like quick tips that you've learned to get yourself in the mode for them? My biggest advice is always stay true to your authentic self. Mm. Because I feel like I see a lot of young girls try to be the image of what they think the LA dancer is. Mm. And, um, and you know, it's as dancers, even more specifically than like actors and commercial actors, we're typecasted by the way that we look. So Mm. if I'm in a lineup of, you know, all girls have my same skin tone, similar hair, you know, as long as I myself, I might look kind of similar to them, but there's only one me, there's only one Brit. And so to really be true in that, that's what I would say. And then also too, it's an audition. It's a dance audition and there's going to be hundreds of people there. And Mm -hmm. so really finding your... I mean, it just goes back to finding what makes you you, finding what makes yeah. you special and showcasing it and not being shy about that. Well, it's interesting because dance and, and learning choreography, you're you're mimicking, like you're learning uh, the same movements as someone. And so I'm sure it's very easy to forget to be yourself while also learning these exact moves all the time. And it must be something that, yeah, it seems so like common sense, but reminding yourself to find yourself in all of this. It's really interesting. It's actually hard to be a dancer, I think, because of that reason. When you are auditioning, like let's say when I was auditioning for Katy Perry, mm-hmm. you know, you're in a group of, there was on that tour, there was 10 dancers. So there were six guys and four girls. And so I'm just going to use the four girls as an example. We okay. all want to dance the same and be clean and mm-hmm. make sure that we look as a cohesive group, but still have your own individuality, which is a really hard balance to find as a professional, especially as a young professional dancer. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a wild world to me and I have nothing but respect for, for everyone that is in it. Uh, uh, yeah, that is something I hadn't really thought about before until just now. Very cool. Now, speaking <laughs> of like Katy Perry and going on tour, you've been on tour with uh, Florence the Machine, Rihanna, Demi Lovato, Nick Jonas, Selena Gomez, Janet Jackson, just a few casual names. Um, what's that experience like because I'm sure it's you know you see tour docs of you know music performances and stuff but to be a dancer on tour you're going 200% every night every show what's that experience like yeah well you know 
a lot of those artists that you named, I had a lot of just like one-off shows with those people, mm-hmm. but specifically with Katie, I was her dancer for three years. So I was wow. on tour with her for her whole prismatic album. And it's really interesting. It's one of the, it's like three years out of my life that I could just write a book about the entire three I'm years. Sure. <laughs> I mean, that, that I'm so fascinated by the behind the scenes because everyone sees, you know, the polished things that are on stage. They don't know what happened right before or right after getting into the gig, getting out of the gig. I'm so curious. I, oh, I mean, first of all, just living out of a suitcase for three years. I mm-hmm. ended up getting rid of my LA apartment for, I think it was like a year and a half of that Mm -hmm. because I was never home and, um, also gave me an opportunity to save, save money because I was never there (laughs) and it's LA rent. Um, and you know, it's, it is very, it's a very glamorous life, but it's also not at the same time. You know, you really just like uprooted, you know, I had to go out of my way to really stay connected to my friend group back home in LA and my family and being on different time zones. It's also exhausting, you know, traveling on a tour bus, you know, you would sleep maybe for a couple hours, wake up in the middle of the night, get into your hotel room, fall back asleep, wake up, go to the venue. And then it just like, it just cycles and it cycles and it cycles. And, um, And so that's like the hard part of it, but still, I still pinch myself and I'm like, I got to see the world while also doing something that I love, which is just so magnificent. Were there any notable or standout, um, like technical difficulties that happened? Because I feel like one of dancers best qualities are turning mistakes into part of a performance. So I'm always curious about like what might've been a hardship that no one actually noticed. Uh, well, there's one, I mean, it was definitely noticed. <laughs> I, it was, <laughs> and this was like one of the times, cause I think you're right. Dancers, we have this really rare ability to just pull things off yeah. out of nowhere Um, but this is one of those times where there was no way I was pulling this off. And (laughs) it was a Christmas show. Uh I think we were in London. Um, and it was a Christmas show. And of course we were all dressed like elves. So I had, you know, like a Santa, a Santa hat with this little like bell, you know, very cute. Yeah. And, um, this specific show, there was an artist that performed before us and there was like stuff all over the stage and there wasn't time anyway. There's this moment in the performance where I like do this traveling movement going across the stage. Of course, it's like right in front of Katie. I literally slip and I like my feet go underneath me and you can just see me like slide across the front of the stage and my elf hat is like, woo, with like some ball. I mean, and there was no way that I could even fix it. Right, it was right, right in front of everybody. Everybody was like, girl, are you okay? That's wonderful. But I also feel like Katy Perry <laughs> has innately such a humor to her that things like that oh, yeah. are are okay in those situations. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, I have to hear about the Dancing with the Stars journey because this is so cool. We'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Hello, listeners. Grace Helbig here. Wanting to say two things, a big thank you for listening to the podcast. 
if you are a regular listener, if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you. And uh, second thing, if you are enjoying yourself here in this not too deep world we've built and you'd like to leave us a review, that would be so wonderful. If you can go to the iTunes store, the app store and leave us a lovely little review comment. How are you feeling? Good, bad, otherwise? Maybe just good or otherwise would be appreciated. Other than that, enjoy the podcast. And you just must have such an ability in your brain to accept the uncertainty of like going into a venue you've never been before, a city you've never been before. It's crazy to me. What's funny is I feel like, I feel like I o- almost have more certainty there than mm. I did like with COVID and quarantine and that uncertainty. It's like True. when that hit, it's like I'd never experienced it before, but actually my entire life and my career is actually uncertain, but. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's all kind of appropriate because in this year of weird uncertainty, you've also been, um, this was your first year as a pro on Dancing with the Stars. How cool. Congratulations. That's so cool. But you've been, how long have you been been working with the show in general? Yes. So I was on the show for five seasons as a pro. Okay. Or sorry, on Troop. So five seasons on Troop. And I started in 2016 and, um, and then I took a year off and it was because the show made some internal changes and they decided to get rid of Troop. And mm. so my job got taken away and huh. I didn't get promoted to what I had always wanted. And then, yeah, it was very strange in this year that's been, you know, 2020 was so interesting. And then one mm. of the you know, biggest moments in my career happened, which I feel incredibly blessed that it happened. Um, especially the timing of everything. It was very, again, it was very like serendipitous moment for me. It also must be, yeah, for you saying that in troop, I guess you're in the troop kind of with the hope that maybe you get moved up to pro, but again, there's no certainty and you're just kind of hoping you make it through a season and they like you and whatever happens, happens. So what's the, how did it, how did it happen? What was the call like? Yeah. You know, actually the year prior, they had done a massive audition looking for new pros and they actually, of course they invited the troop members to that. And, Mm -hmm. um, that audition, I had to prepare two different styles of choreography to okay. perform and then an on-camera interview. And then what was really cool is we had to teach some a non-dancer like a little short phrase. Ah, oh, and interesting. of course, that was filmed as well. And yeah. I thought that was really fun and really cool. And that audition actually went really well. And me being on troupe for five seasons and having already a relationship with you know, everybody over at Dancing with the Stars. And you know how the show works, you know how the camera stuff happens, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of looks like I might have a chance. And then unfortunately, it didn't happen, which is okay. And I honestly feel like I wasn't meant to be there as a pro until this season, everything, Mm. the year leading up to it, the timing, you know, who my partner was, I think it was all completely meant to be at the right time. Um, but for this season before I remember I had, um, gotten an initial call from one of our executive producers, just checking in and just seeing how my year has been and you know, what's been happening. I was like, 
you know, of course, having trying to be super cool, like, right, right, right. I'm available if you need me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get off the phone, call my mom. And I was like, guess who just called me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then it wasn't for like, I think it was almost two months later. I, I know I got a text from Dina, our different executive producer. Uh And she was like, are you available to get on a Zoom call this evening? And I was like, yes, of course. And this, and I think I had to wait like five hours. This is the... I don't like that stuff. That's the kind of body anxiety I can't handle. <laughs> oh, girl, I had to go take a walk. I could not. I like. I could not be in my house. I was yeah. just freaking out. And then I hop on the Zoom call, and they asked me to be a pro. And I just, you know, I just got really emotional. I feel yeah. like I had like worked very hard to get it, and it came at a moment that was unexpected. And, um, yeah, I just, it was the perfect moment. So, so cool. And then your, your first time as a a pro you're with Johnny Weir, who, uh, must've been so cool to find out that you're teamed up with an athlete that has uh, a certain sense of muscle memory. Also perhaps a little bit triggering from your childhood dreams of being an ice skater. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's that? So what's the initial meeting like when you guys are paired together? Yeah, well, first of all, I was shocked. I was like, are you sure you guys want to give me Johnny Weir for my first season? <laughs> like, this is, this is pretty massive. Yeah. Um, and, and we, and honestly, we instantly connected. It was a very much like, wow, we get each other mm. right away. And we really you know, ever since our first meeting, we really created this authentic bond throughout the season. Mm -hmm. Um, and yes, I was so excited to get a figure skater, but what's interesting is I thought some things were going to translate a little bit, um, more smoothly than they actually did. Sure. Sure. Um, I knew his upper body, like his upper body was amazing. And I could do, I really tried to accentuate that in my choreography, but it's his feet struggled a little bit. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of felt bad a little bit because people really had like the highest expectations for him. And I felt like almost too high of expectations for him. Yeah, that's tough. But also, I mean, it's incredible. You guys had incredible chemistry and something that must be uh, very nerve wracking to hope that you can facilitate that kind of chemistry so quickly because the show moves so fast. Mm-hmm. And what's what's the uh, like rehearsal schedule like? How intense is that in between actual production days? We did not have a day off. Wow. <laughs> Wild. And also we... this is all again, happening in the middle of a pandemic happening. So not only are you, you know, trying to create beautiful dances, you're also trying to compartmentalize what's happening in the world at the same time. Wild. I know it was a really unique experience. And um, I thought the show did amazing. You know, we got so blessed that everyone stayed healthy throughout the throughout the whole project. Yeah. Um, but they were also, we were, it was very strict. We got tested every day. Mm. We, um, you know, Johnny and I were in a bubble. Um, so we couldn't see anyone 
more or less than eight feet away. Wow. Um, So everything was very, very strict. Um, Mm. But it was an interesting balance of um, dealing with what was happening in the world and the election you know, yeah. the vote in like that just happened some small during the things. season. Yeah. Just, you know, no big deal. Just <laughs> yeah. things happening in the world. Jeez. Um, but, you know, I think it was actually what was interesting was the shock after the season Co- going from going to work every day, staying busy, then mm-hmm. back to quarantine. It was a little bit of an adjustment to get used to again. That must be very jarring. And also, I mean, it must be cool to have had the show to work on because this year I feel like or I assume that the dance community kind of struggles because that is something that truly takes place in person with other people. And I do see that you do a lot of like virtual classes and you do a lot of like virtual kind of things. It's very cool to see the dance world adapt to technology and social media and all of that. Have you gotten into, first of all, like the TikTok dances of it all? Is that in your wheelhouse? (laughs) You know what? I have not. I'll have a few. <laughs> I'll have a few fans. Like I have this one fan that really wants me to do a lot of these different like challenges. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't done it yet. And I feel like I should just do one to like to make her to, to make her day. Because yeah. I feel bad that I haven't done any of them, but I haven't done it. I mean, I feel like I talk about my mom a lot, but she's my best friend, yeah. and literally. I think it was yesterday she called me. She was like, Brent, I just, I think you need a TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) See, your mom has had the right decisions from day one, it sounds like for you. I think you need to do this dance thing. I think you should get a TikTok. I mean, I would trust her instincts about this. (laughs) I know. And I usually do. And sometimes I like procrastinate because it's it's mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I, I might dive into the world a bit. We'll see. Well, I'm curious too, what the... Uh, teaching dance online is like for you. It must be yeah. interesting. It's really interesting. And I think you said something really awesome. I do believe that dance specifically out of a lot of the arts has been able to pivot Yeah. during this time. And um, teaching on Zoom was definitely an adjustment. It was it was hard because I'm also such an interactive teacher. Mm. When I educate and when I teach, I like really like to be up there and I'm like counting. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and so it felt very, you know, cold at first when I was first doing it, but I have mm-hmm. found my flow. I've mm-hmm. found how to connect in a different way. And even though I'm afar, I can still really make an impact. So, um, so I've been doing that and I've also been doing online tutorials too, which is fun. Um, cool. that's different because I don't get to interact with every, with anybody. Um, and I'm just kind of teaching a class to a camera, but I've, I'm grateful that I've been able to still do that. Totally. Um, I also had a curiosity about in the before times when you're able to teach people in, in real life, in classes, how um, do you have any, uh, systems in place for politely letting someone know that maybe dance isn't what they should be pursuing? (laughs) (laughs) Because I you know, feel like myself, my younger self probably had been told this because uh, I was also in a dance class younger, but terrible, truly terrible. So I'm always curious for someone like you that has all this experience. How do you politely let someone know that perhaps their passions are better suited somewhere else? Can I tell you, I don't think I've ever been in that position uh, or at least I've never had to say that to someone. That's nice. 
That's good. I, I, I'm throwing it out there as something to think about in case the opportunity comes up. <laughs> but it sounds like because dance specifically, you have to know inherently, I think that you have a passion or drive a physicality that's appropriate for it to really go for it. Uh, so I'm yeah. always curious about the people that aren't as self aware in that regard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's Thank you for giving me the heads up because maybe I'm going to have just like a little statement prepared just in case I come across. I also feel like with the advent of these TikTok challenges, everyone thinks that they're the best dancer in the world too. And so I'm curious to see what the byproduct of that ends up being if people really truly start to seek out these passions as like uh, dreams in some way. But we'll see when we get there, I guess. I mean, we will see because it's also interesting because now in the dance industry, people like look at followers and like, yeah, they look at that. See, that's what I'm curious about, too, because it has uh, it is such a social media based industry uh, as well. And you have all these dance studios and like I've, uh, you know, worked with and talked to like Matt Stefanina before and people mm-hmm. like that that facilitate this, like the social media ness of it all. So I'm always curious, like, is that actually part of the community now? It is. It is, but there's still, you know, I think I go back to creating those networks. And so people, Mm. certain choreographers still hire for talent versus popularity. And so even though it is something in our world, that's really like infiltrated how you get jobs, talent still exists. You know, all of that still is very prevalent, but it's part of our job now too. So it's, it's fascinating, but I do think that dance is the great equalizer in terms of like your talent will show through your subscriber count isn't going to mask the fact that you can't do this eight count or whatever this thing is. 100%. <laughs> okay, we're going to take one last break. Uh, speaking of social media, when we get back, I have some questions from Instagram for you. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Before we get into these Instagram questions, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that is on the podcast. And the first is who alive or dead would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? Oh, my gosh. I know it's a very cold spaghetti. Cold spaghetti. And I like to let people know that this is uh, your answer can change on a daily basis. It's just who in this moment comes to mind. And it can also be based on whatever your intention is. If you want to throw it in a celebratory way, that's optional. A negative way, that's also optional. I mean, I would like, I would love to be like on the street and like throw some cold spaghetti at Hitler. Just like... (laughs) Yes, that is a very uh, popular answer here. Yeah. Is it really? Yes, okay. it is. <laughs> so okay. you're in good and, company. <laughs> okay, good. And then I would probably throw some at my um, at my friend Casey mm. because he, I think he would find it funny. Like I would make it a joke. <laughs> that sounds you know. great. <laughs> I love like it. A, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other question I ask every single guest is to tell us your worst pants shitting story. Or like a a bathroom emergency situation, but you can only use three words or three small phrases to describe said situation. Uh, For example, mine is college jogging front lawn. Okay. Traveling. Taco time. Oh, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> leggings. Oh, God. That's oh, a, a triple threat. <laughs> I mean, I have a gluten allergy, so, you know, I'm oh, a sensitive stomach. That's also what I wanted to ask you about. I thought it was so cool. I read your whole post about um, your your journey through discovering your allergy. And mm. as a dancer, you have to be so in tune with your body. I imagine mm. that that's so fascinating to know that you've you've gone through that. Um, yeah. For people that don't know, what what's transpired for you? Yeah, basically, I have a condition called um, physical hives. And every time my body temperature changes, I break out into hives. And hey, same. I have the same thing. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So but I through... wish it was a gluten thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I just, you know, through trial and error, I've been able to manage it without with eliminating gluten in my mm. diet. And, um, and now I don't have to take any antihistamines or anything like that. And it's really as a whole, it changed my health journey and my wellness journey. And, and yes, as a dancer, I always, I was already in tune with my body, but I yeah. think that even increased it. Very cool. And something, yeah, that I think people probably wouldn't know about you unless you you said it, obviously. And I think that's yeah. really helpful for other people. Um, okay, let's get into these Instagram questions. First one, what do you miss most about Johnny? Oh, gosh, <laughs> everything, everything. Like, honestly, I'm sitting here and I just got a message from him saying, I miss you. Uh... I, <laughs> I, but I miss, we would laugh every day together. Mm. And, um, I think you don't realize how positive that is for your soul and for your mental health. And, um, not that I don't laugh without him, but <laughs> <laughs> he has also such a contagious and like big laugh. And I just miss that. Yeah. And it's also such a truly unique and special experience that you guys had together that I'm sure yeah, obviously you're going to miss each other because you oh two God. are the only two that know what you went through. Yeah. Uh, someone to know, what was your favorite part of your first season as a Dancing with the Stars pro? Oh, you guys are asking. I feel like they're asking questions on like everything. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think being in that position, being a Dancing with the Stars pro is so unique and it's so mm -hmm. special. And I don't know if there's anything else quite like it in life. You really get to um, cultivate this journey and this experience for someone that is being very vulnerable every single week. And I think my favorite part was that I helped cultivate this opportunity for America to see a different side of Johnny. I think uh, that, you know, a lot of times people see him as a figure skater and with the sparkling blazers and the hair and all the things that make him fabulous, but he was really able to talk about his story and what has made him him. Mm, I know that's, I think people forget too, that you're, you're creating like the narrative for both of you through this mm. whole journey and just hoping that it gets expressed as you, as you intend it to, yeah. um, someone wants to know who is a dream star, uh, that you would love to be paired with. I mean, Justin Timberlake can a girl really dream? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's so funny. Like there's so many male celebrities that I think that would just be absolutely amazing. But 
as long as I have someone that's hardworking and passionate about being there and committed about being there and has like a little musicality and some athleticism, I think yeah. I'm, I think I'm good to go. Oh, that's very, very sweet. And also, yeah. How, how quickly do you find out who you're paired with or you guys literally find out in the room together when someone walks in? Yeah, we, we find out together and, um, this situation, Johnny and I actually started like a week later than everybody else. So we only had a week to prepare for the show. So I was, you know, people were already in rehearsals and I was like, okay, let's get started. Uh, okay. Someone wants to know, well, a lot of people had asked questions. Um, was there pressure that came with being the first black female pro on dancing with the stars? Absolutely. You know, first of all, it was an honor and, um, it's, it's still weird of like when people say, Oh girl, you made history. And I'm like, Whoa, like that's, that's on top of this wild year. Yeah. Just another small little (laughs) incredibly important thing that's happened for you. Yeah. But I definitely put pressure on myself and I definitely, you know, I felt like there was a lot of responsibility because, you know, I was this new representation and there's already not a lot of representation of people that look like me in the ballroom world. So I did, I felt pressure and I felt like I really wanted to do a good job, not only for Johnny, but for, you know, all the little black girls watching and saying, Oh my gosh, I think maybe this is something that I would want to do one day. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that it seems like you and Johnny could connect over that because he's also a person that has created a lot of visibility in a, Mm -hmm. you know, a world that didn't have it before. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's truly beautiful. Uh, a lot of people are asking, will we get to see you and Johnny's freestyle? Oh, um, so it's interesting because we got eliminated at semifinals. A lot of people have been asking if we could do our final dance still. Mm. And, um, and we are still finding a time to where we can meet up and plan it. So yes, it is still happening (laughs) maybe a little bit later than what we expected, but you know, with, COVID numbers here and our schedules building up. We're just trying to find a safe time to where we that can makes, see each other. Makes sense. Uh, uh, people are asking, uh, what was Tyra's energy like on this season? I know it was really, um, having Tyra as our new host was definitely con- controversial. Um, yeah. Tom Bergeron was, you know, he's been there since season one. And so I think people were really upset about him not being there but from behind the scenes Tyra was lovely she mm. was very nice and she reached out to everyone you know preseason, but also throughout the season and you know just saying hey I know I'm here you know new here I um, just wanted to introduce myself and tell you how excited I am to be here so she has good energy that's great um okay someone to know what do you do? And maybe this is something that you have experience with in being in, in called to dance. What do you do when you feel called to do something new or leave a place that felt certain to you? Oh, oh, that's interesting. What do I do if I'm feeling? I, well, feel, I feel like, like, yeah, your whole story sounds like you have to be 
okay with uncertainty and letting it kind of take you and letting these like serendipitous moments sort of manifest in in your life. Um, So yeah, I'm curious when you feel the call, how do you respond? I, you know, it's so interesting. I feel like we sometimes have such a hard time listening to our instinct and listening to our gut and really feeling you know, called to when we need to switch things up or when we need to go do something. And it's really hard to take that first step. So for me, first of all, I feel like I like to come up with little affirmations for myself. Like in December, it was choose love, not fear. Or Mm. like during quarantine, it was um, being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And um, just repeating those affirmations to myself and really almost like, programming them into my DNA really help. And what also helps me too, is just taking sometimes things day by day and like little steps to getting to where I know I want to be instead of sometimes when we just make a huge shift and then we're like, huh, I don't know how to handle it. Yeah. So I hope, I hope that helps. No, I think that's really great. Cause it's again, the things that seem like common sense, but when you remind yourself, that's when you realize you've forgotten it and it's the Mm. most important. Um, before we wrap up completely, Britt, we love to give our guests a little token of our appreciation for them making time. And we give personalized little virtual for- fortune cookies that I think Melissa yeah. has emailed to you. And if you could lovely. read that fortune, that would be lovely. Yeah. Long live hashtag Team Rejo. I love that. <laughs> Yay. In case anyone forgot. And hopefully we get to see the final dance uh, when it's safe and, and okay to do that. Britt, where can people find you online and everything that you're up to if they don't already know? Absolutely. They can follow me on Instagram at Britt Benet, B-R-I-T-T-B-E-N-A-E, or on Twitter at Britt B. Stewart. I'm definitely more active on Instagram though. Love it. Thank you so much for making time. This was so fun. I could talk to you for another two hours, but we got to wrap up. (laughs) Uh, Go check her out, guys, and everything that she's up to. And we'll see you next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music.